0: Good morning, community of grace. Well, this morning as we uh, enter in to the dry indoors, uh, and for those of you online, you didn't even—you didn't even try. That's all right. <laughs> community of shame. <laughs> oh, we are glad that you are where you are, and good that we can be gathered wherever we are. Um, we're actually going to start with we'll me um, on the theme of Jesus' rest today. So. just Remain seated for this, uh, as you hear an invitation, um, the invitation that God calls us to come to him. again, Grace people. It's good to be together. And hey, we're inside. That's nice. That's not so bad. The rain uh, is is good for the earth, and it reminds me of the scripture, which I won't be able to say if I keep trying to play guitar and talk at the same time, uh, but the scripture that uh, just as the rain comes and does not return to where it came from until it's achieved its purpose and accomplished what it's come to do. So the word of the Lord also does not return back to him void, but it does what it's set out to do. And so that's my prayer for us today. I hope for us that the word of God will be uh, rich in your ears today and that it'll do something in your heart, that the Holy Spirit will work in you, that the living word, Jesus Christ, will continue to do something in your heart today because you are here and that his word will not return to him without doing what it's done, uh, what it's come forth to accomplish. He is making a people for himself. He is drawing us to him and he is healing the whole world and he's using us to do it. It's starting here and it's starting with his spirit. So praise God that uh, we are together and we are able to do this both at home, in person. Uh, It's a good thing. So praise God for the opportunity because Jesus makes his family so it's good to be family together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we could stand together. I'm just going to jump right into praying together, and we're going to continue on. Father God, thank you for this place. Thank you for this time that you've, uh, you've set into eternity right now, that the things that you are uh, doing in our lives and in our hearts can happen right here, that you are making us to be more like you, that you're reminding us who we are and whose we are. And we are yours. And we pray today uh, that we will be a community following after your heart, being shaped and formed by you as we continue to learn uh, how to be disciples, how to make disciples, continue to see grace in every corner of our community. God, be with us today as we uh, come before you to be with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, and we do thank you that you've given us this living hope in Jesus Christ. And this is the story that we profess, the story we live into, the story we pass on to our children. And they'll pass on to their children. Helps to be faithful and fruitful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Unless you are a kid, then come on up for the his kids children's message.
1: There we go. All right, are you guys ready to see what's in the mystery box? Ooh, it shakes pretty well. Let's get a drum roll going. Drum roll, please. Oh, it is, it looks like a tricycle. Tricycle, 3 wheel tricycle, probably for a doll because I don't think any of you would fit on there, would you? Yeah, probably not, you'd probably break it. I don't even think I could get one toe on there. (laughs) Yeah. So is this something that you play with with your dolls at home? Yeah, what kind of dolls? There's a special kind or just kind of anyone? Tiny dolls? Yeah, that makes sense, because this is pretty tiny. Hmm, what would we use a bike for? Traveling, going somewhere? Yeah, to get places. Yeah, it's it's the kind of transportation you guys can do on your own, right? Because you're not old enough to drive cars yet. Yeah, but you can bike places, can't ya? you? Do you like to go on bike rides or not so much? Yeah, you like to? I like to when it's not super, super hot, and you get all hot and sweaty and sticky. That's kind of gross. But bike rides are really fun, and they get us to go places, which is like going on a journey, okay? So when you're on a bike, you're on a journey, right? And all of us in our lives are on a journey with Jesus. Is it fun to ride, is it more fun to ride a bike by yourself or with other people? What do you think? Other people? It's fun to go on the journey together, right? Sometimes it can be nice to go for a bike ride by yourself and just sort of have some peace and quiet. But a lot of times it's more fun when you get to bike with someone else. And Jesus wants to be that someone else who's with you on your journey through life. He wants to be right beside you, maybe helping to pick you up when you fall. Has anyone ever fallen on their bike before? Yeah, I had a fall, (laughs) like three times. Okay, yeah. You've run into a door. Okay, yeah, now the stories are coming out. When I was a kid, I started going down a hill so fast, and when I fell over, I actually cracked my helmet. So it was a good thing I I was wearing one. So PSA, always wear your helmet when you're riding a bike. Yeah, but Jesus is there. He's right alongside of us on this journey of life. So when you fall, you have those bumps. When you crack your helmet a little bit, okay, maybe your heart gets bruised by things that happen in this life you can remember that Jesus is on this journey with you. He's there with you. He will pick you up when you fall. He's there when you have your victories, when you make it up those really, really tough hills. Is it hard to bike up a hill? Yeah, and Jesus is there to celebrate when you accomplish those things in life. So I'm going to pray that you would know that Jesus is beside you as we bike through this journey of life. All right, can we pray together? Dear Jesus, we thank you so much that you are here with us, that you want to journey alongside of us, that your presence is here with each and every one of us, and I just pray that um, all the children here and all the big people here would know that you are alongside of us on this journey called life, and I just pray that we would feel your presence, that we would know that you're there when we fall, and there when we have great accomplishments as well, and you're there in the midst of all of it. We thank you for this time, and we give it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you for bringing that. I'll give that back to you. And who would like to take our mystery box for next week? Anybody? Would you like to take it? All right. There you go, sir. Thank you very much. You guys can head on back to your seats.
2: Outstanding. Thank you, Britta. Dude's got a truck. I like that. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. Well, good morning, friends. Good to be with you today. Good to be with you who are watching at home this morning. And I want to remind us of something this morning. One of the earliest creeds of the church, and a creed is just another way of saying I believe. Credo comes from the word credo in latin. I believe one of the earliest earliest creeds of the church was three simple words. Three very simple words. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's all it was for the early church. And if it was good enough for the early church, I think it's probably pretty good enough for us too, right? So let's just say that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Say it again. Jesus is Lord. Say it one more time. Jesus is Lord, Lord. good, good. Simple creed. So simple and so easy for us to say that sometimes I think we lose sight of just how radical that is. How radical it was for those early Christians and how dangerous it was for those first followers of Jesus. Just to say those three simple things Jesus is Lord. You see, it ran against every convention of the day. It flew in the face of political, religious, economic, and cultural constructs then and today. It flies in the face of all the power structures around us. It's a personal thing and it's a community thing that we say when we believe and trust in Jesus Jesus is Lord. And at the same time, it brings healing. It brings salvation, it brings repentance, it brings transformation, and a new creation to every individual who believes it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus is Messiah. And this simple three-word creed lies at the center of the journey that we have been taking over the course of this summer, a journey through the gospel according to Matthew. It's all over in Matthew because it's a driving force behind Matthew's writing and account of this gospel is to let everybody know who Jesus really is, that he is Lord, that he is King, that he is Messiah. And that reminder is good for us, just as it is good for every Christian who has ever read these words throughout history. Now, some of you have been following along this summer and, and listening and being a part of each and every one of these sermons. For others of you, you've been taking some time off and enjoying some time out on vacation. Frankly, I hope that's been the case for all of you, is that you have taken some time off and been exploring and enjoying and reconnecting with one another as, as well as reconnecting with nature and maybe enjoying some time away at the lake or wherever it is that you have been. That's all good. But I want us to be all together on this journey. So if you haven't, take some time to go back, maybe review some of the sermons from the past over the course of this summer. If you've been following along through the ABCs, of Matthew. That's a little reading guide that has broken up Matthew into kind of bite-sized chunks to lead you out throughout the summertime. This past week, it just so happens that the alignment was perfect to line up with what we're going to be talking about today from Matthew chapter 11, the very end of Matthew chapter 11, and the very beginning of Matthew chapter 12. And that's what we're going to be focusing in today as we continue on this journey together. So I want to invite you this morning to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. If you've got it on a tablet or on your phone or if you have it in your family Bible or if you've got it on your Bible uh, uh, around the table with your family at home or wherever you might be, open up to Matthew chapter 11 so that we can be reading this together and hearing God's word, listening to Jesus as he teaches us and guides us, mindful that Jesus is Lord. Begin reading at verse 25 of chapter 11. Here we go. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Then continuing on in chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look. Your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Jesus answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or, haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted How they might kill Jesus. A lot going on here in this particular story. Two stories that I believe are linked together. They both start with a simple phrase, at that time. At that time. Now we don't know what time that was, other than the time was a Sabbath. And we don't know exactly if these things coincided with one another, but I've just kind of got a hunch. So call this a hunch from Darren, okay? This isn't isn't me saying, thus saith the Lord. It's a hunch from Darren that these two at the same times actually happened at the same time with one another. And one is about a, a discussion, something that Jesus was talking about, and the other is happening at the same time while Jesus and his disciples are doing something. Jesus is talking, and he and his disciples are doing something on the Sabbath. And let's start with what they were doing. Jesus and his disciples are walking. A lot of walking in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Good form of transportation, your feet. So Jesus and his disciples are walking, and where are they walking to? Well, the story tells us where they're walking to. It's on the Sabbath, and they're doing what people did on the Sabbath in Jesus' time who were followers of Judaism. They were on their way to the synagogue. They're on their way to synagogue. It's Sabbath. We go to synagogue. Just like we go to church, they went to synagogue. Jesus says this in other chapters and in other places within the Gospels, too, as was their custom. This is what they did. So it's the Sabbath, and Jesus and his disciples are walking to church. They're walking to synagogue. And the path that they're taking leads them right through some wheat fields. Now, that might seem a little strange to you. We think today about giant fields of grain or things around us and maybe major highways that cut through them, but they're way over there. There's the fields, and here's the road. Well, that wasn't the case in the time of Jesus. See, in the time of Jesus, fields were split up. Their rows had quite a bit of distance between them, and that was on purpose because it was expected that you would need to walk through these fields to get to wherever you were going. There weren't as many roads and as many paths to get to different places, so the rows of wheat or whatever it was that happened to be planted and harvested later would leave plenty of space in between, and this was a a, a thoroughfare. This was a, a, a safe, fair place for you to take a walk. And what was also fair and common to do, if you were walking along this path, is to have a snack. It was perfectly acceptable, as a matter of fact, the Old Testament talks about this. It was perfectly acceptable to be walking down this path, and if you're walking by a wheat field, and you get a little hungry, you can grab one of the heads of wheat and take it into your hands, and then by rolling it in your hands, you get rid of the chaff, and what you're left with are just the wheat kernels, and then you pop the wheat kernels in your mouth, and it's a snack. And this is exactly what Jesus' disciples were doing. Walking through the field, making their way to church, grabbing a little snack on the way. And along come the Pharisees. Now, we've talked about the Pharisees, but if you're not familiar with who the Pharisees were, the Pharisees were very, very, very devout followers of Judaism. As a matter of fact, it was extremely important to them that they kept every single part of the law every single command of God, and then some. It was critical that they follow the law to the letter. And there was no law that was of more significance to Pharisees than Sabbath. Sabbath was incredibly important. Now, Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments, one of God's commandments given down to God's people from Mount Sinai there with Moses. An important commandment to refrain from work, to take one day a week, the seventh day of the week, and refrain from working, because this is the day that God refrained from working in creation. And so he invites his people into that rest. And he's he's pretty strong about it. He says, there's more written about Sabbath in the Ten Commandments than any of the other commandments. There's more verbiage given to this one command than any of the other commandments, It's important because God wants it to be known, hey, set this day aside. You're going to work hard for six days. But on that seventh day, relax. Not only you, but your servants and and your hardworking animals, they should take this day and rest too so that you would know that I, God, am the one who provides. I am the one who provides everything you need. I've created it all. It's all mine, including you. And you need a break and you need a rest from work. Sounds good, right? It's a good command. But there's something that seems to happen anytime you take one of God's commands and put it in the hands of real sinners like you and me. We will take this good command of God, something that was intended to be a tool for our wholeness and our holiness and make it into a weapon for judgment. And that's exactly what the Pharisees are doing here. Because when it came to not working, there were rules about what work was. So it wasn't enough to just say, hey, it's Sabbath, don't work. These leaders of Judaism got together and said, you know what, that's just not clear enough, it's just not good enough for us. So we're going to come up with 39 rules that apply to what work is. 39. All sorts of rules about where you can walk, when you can walk, what you can lift, what you can carry, what you can't carry, what you can do, what you can eat, when you can eat it, when you can prepare it. All sorts of rules. And among these rules were three rules that go like this Number one, you were not to harvest on the Sabbath. No harvesting on the Sabbath. Number two, no threshing on the Sabbath or grinding. Of wheat on the Sabbath and number three you weren't to prepare a meal on the Sabbath whatever you did had to be done before the Sabbath so here are the disciples grabbing some wheat harvesting rolling it in their hands threshing popping it in their mouth oh that's all preparing a meal for yourself now it sounds ridiculous Because it is. But human beings are really good at taking God's good commands and turning them into something else. Creating ways to separate God's people into the good people and the bad people. You see, here's the thing. Following Jesus always means putting people before policies and relationships before rules. And that's exactly how Jesus responds to these Pharisees as they come to see him. The first thing he does is he points out David. Well, there's a pretty good place to start. King David. Remember, Jesus is the king. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. And so who does he point to as his example? David. He says, hey, wait a second, guys. David went into the temple and ate the sacred, consecrated bread, set aside for the priests. And God said that was okay. Oh, and by the way, these same priests, they didn't get a day off. The Sabbath wasn't a day off for the priests or the temple. They still had to keep making the sacrifices, They still had to keep doing all of the work that was expected to be done in the temple. They did that on the Sabbath too. So Jesus lays those things out in front of them and then he follows up by saying this. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is throwing down the gauntlet. He is making it clear to those who are there that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. And that the Son of Man, Jesus is speaking about himself, by the way, when he says that, is Lord of the Sabbath. And the word Sabbath simply means rest. It means rest. So do you see now where there's this connection between Jesus having this little conversation and Jesus taking this walk with his disciples to synagogue in the morning? Both are talking about rest. And Jesus starts this conversation by saying, thank you, Father, for revealing these things to little children and keeping it a mystery for the wise and learned among us. He's speaking about the Pharisees, friends. (laughs) He's speaking about the keepers of the law. Those who were expected to keep the law perfectly and enforce the law against everybody else. Jesus says, listen, this has been revealed to you little children. And then he goes on. To say the Father knows the Son and the Son knows the Father. And the only ones who understand this are those to whom the Son has revealed the Father to. Jesus is saying something radical here. I and the Father are one. That's the other places where Jesus would refer to this type of reality. Jesus is claiming lordship. Jesus is making himself equivalent to the Father. He's saying, look, you want to know what the Father is like? Look at me and listen to what I have to say. And then let me reveal to you who the Father is. And the words that follow, those words are, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. That's the heart of the Father. It's not about keeping all the rules. Now, are the rules bad? Of course not. God doesn't put his rules in place for bad. They're just not life-giving. Now, listen to what I say when I say this. Laws can protect life. Rules can protect life. But they can never give life. Only Jesus can give life. Only God can give life. And here Jesus is saying, you want to know what life is like with me? Come into my rest. Come into the rest that I offer you. Stay connected to me. That's what that word yoke means. To yoke, to be yoked together. It's to be side by side, wearing the same yoke with Jesus. It's just having him be right along with you, right along beside you. It says, Come and be yoked to me and learn about me, learn about my pace. Let me do the heavy lifting and the heavy work. But come and be with me. Come and hang around me and learn about me. And if you'll do that, you're going to find rest for your souls. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying that to his disciples and he was saying it 2,000 years ago and he's saying it to us today. Start with your relationship with me. And from there, Jesus will take care of the rest. You get to know Jesus, you'll get to know what it is that you are called to do, where you're called to be. And it'll be a joy, it'll be light. It won't be a heavy burden. It'll be exactly where Jesus has you. come to me, connect with me, learn of me and I will give you rest and take care of the rest. We'll take care of the rest together. That's his message to those who are weary and who are burdened and who feel beat up today. But let me ask you something. I want you to finish a phrase in your own head right now, okay? Just finish this phrase. If you're a good Christian, you should blank. Fill in that blank with whatever comes to your mind first. If you're a good Christian, you should blank. Now your answer to that question is going to be as varied as there are people in this room. But the way that you answer that question and what it brings about and brings out of you will say something about where you are at in this place with Jesus. (laughs) Because if you say something like this, if I'm a good Christian, I should care for my wife. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Are there plenty of times that I don't Yep. Yep. So from that place, I either recognize that I'm a Pharisee who wants to tell other people how they should act, or I'm going to lay heavy burdens on myself about what it is that I have to do in order to be a follower of Jesus. Neither one of those Is the right answer. Because Jesus' invitation is not based on what you do, His invitation is based on what He offers you and what He desires to do for you. That's where it starts. We have become, in so many ways, our own worst critics and the worst critics of others. And it's not just something that's in the church, it's something that's all around us in the world. We are really, really good at shooting on others and shooting on ourselves. We do a great job of telling everybody else what they should and shouldn't do. And if they would just do those things or not do those things, then God would love us. Then God would bring peace. Then God would bring restoration. But only if we get these things right. I think Jesus has a message for those who are wrapped up in that place of life and that place of worldview and that place of shooting on everybody. And he says, Give it a rest. Give it a rest. You're taking all of your cues from cable news or, or from, from somebody who's telling you everything it is that you should or shouldn't do that make you a good Christian or, or, or make you not a good Christian, whatever it might be, give it a rest. And instead, listen to the invitation of Jesus who says, come to me, all you who are, are heavy burdened. All of you who are tired of the religious games, all of you who are tired of shooting on yourself and shooting on others, and all all of you who are just tired of that, instead, come to me. Accept my invitation and let me give you rest. From that place of rest will come hope and life and purpose and healing and salvation and transformation and all of those good things because if Jesus is Lord, then he is Lord of rest, and he is the Lord of your rest as well. Now, it may sound funny to talk about rest on the final Sunday of our Say Yes campaign. Believe me, I thought about that as I was preparing this message. But here's the thing. There are plenty of things to do, and they are good things, helpful things, and necessary things. Everything that's out on that say yes board, they're good things. But before you say yes to any of those things, say yes to Jesus. Just accept his invitation. Respond positively to his invitation first. The tasks are important, but don't say yes to them out of guilt or out of some should. Say yes to Jesus, and Jesus will lead you into the rest. He'll show you the rest. He'll handle the rest But it starts with Jesus and saying yes to him. So I'm going to close today by just giving us a moment of rest. By just coming into a time of prayer. And I want to invite you, whether you're here in this room or whether you're watching at home or whether you're watching this later, whenever it might be, to say yes to Jesus For some of you, this might be another time that you're saying yes. It might be the millionth time you've said yes. For some, it might be the very first time that you say yes to this invitation from Jesus. And if it is, that's so good. I want to give you that opportunity today to just say yes to Jesus' invitation. So let's quiet our hearts. Let's quiet our minds. Let's let the Holy Spirit Come and do his work among us, and let's pray. Jesus, you have given us a special invitation today. It's the same invitation that you have been offering to your people for 2,000 years, but it's just as fresh today when we hear it. So Jesus, I pray that we hear your invitation today. I pray that those maybe who have never accepted the invitation to come and be with you and come into this rest that you offer, that today might be the first day, the first day of a new journey, the first day of letting go of all the burdens, of, of dropping off all the shoulds that have been laying on their shoulders and that they've been carrying around, And at the same time, Lord, would break them free from from putting those shoulds on anybody else ahead of saying yes to you. Lord, we come to you to say yes. What else could we say to this invitation? So Jesus, meet us right where we are today. In this room, in our living rooms, in our cars, at the restaurant, in our workplaces, wherever it is today, Lord, that we hear the invitation from you. Help us, Jesus, to say yes. From that heart that says, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the Lord of rest. You are the Lord of my life. You are the Lord of all creation. There is no one like you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. Thank you for completing the work so that we can enter the rest. Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. We love you, Lord. We pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you,
0: Pastor Darren. We're going to continue our time together responding to that invitation of Jesus. And one of the ways that we respond to God is in the giving of our tithes and offerings. Uh, when we give, we honor God, and we continue the mission and ministry of uh, not only community of grace, but also of Jesus. And uh, what we're trying to do here is be and make disciples of Jesus. And so these are some ways that uh, you have to give. You can give uh, by scanning, give online, you can give right here uh, in the room. And we've got some... Uh, boxes in the back there. All that said, Jesus invites us. And so we're going we're gonna to sing a little bit. And you don't even have to sing this song because it's really an invitation for you to respond to uh, based off of Isaiah 55, which is a uh, really great passage of scripture that basically says, uh, My paraphrase will be even if you don't have anything, come and receive. you're able all who are thirsty
3: of its mercy.
0: face, uh, you need to bring him whatever it is that you wish to bring. Deep Prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Let's pray that together. Our Father, who art in heaven. God, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And we do not presume to take those from you or think that we can establish those things by our own hand, though we try. So forgive us for that today, Lord. We give you the power, the honor, the glory that is rightfully yours. Open our hands to you, that you can take from us what needs to be taken so that we can receive what needs to be received. Strengthen us for the journey that you call us to, not that we call ourselves to. And help us hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, if you would be seated, we do have some opportunities for next steps we wanna invite you into.
4: Hello, Community of Grace. I'm Communications and Marketing Director, Gene Filkins. Here are some next steps you can take at cglc our say yes campaign wraps up in the commons this morning some of the spots that are still open are nursery hosts his kids assistants refuge leaders and hospitality team members check it out in the commons or online and see where the lord is leading you to pour out love on your cglc family then we have an opportunity for you to reconnect After a long period of not being able to gather, on August 22nd, we will have representatives from several connection opportunities available to answer your questions. That's Sunday morning, August 22nd in the Commons, between and after services. Finally, mark your calendar for September 12th when His Kids Children's Ministry returns. Watch your mailbox for a letter outlining all the details. Remember, you can stay connected to all things CGLC by downloading the app or at gracepeople.church. Thanks for joining us this morning. Have a blessed week, Grace People.
2: Grace People, why don't you stand? I want you to go out from this place In that same spirit that we have been sharing and been a part of here together, which is then that spirit of rest. So as you go, may Jesus go with you. May he go before you to lead you. May he go behind you to encourage you. May he go above you to watch over you. May he go beside you to befriend you. And may he go within you to give you rest. Now go in peace, serve the Lord. Have a wonderful week, friends.